welcome to a special edition of the Guest X Podcast. I am your co-host, Matthew Loney, and I'm here with my co-host, Brian Hamawi, and we are getting towards the end of day three of what is, I think, the biggest travel conference in the U.S., maybe in the world, um, the Focus Right Summit, although they do it all over the world, but yeah. uh, great time here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We've got a, a guest with us, you know, her and I were spending a lot of time talking about tours and attractions and experiences. It's a company called Be My Guest, and Blanca is with us. Blanca, for for our listeners, obviously Be My Guest is not going to be a brand that they've really heard of. You're primarily focused in the Asian market, but give us a little history just kind of about the company when it's, you know, how it started and kind of where it is today. Sure. I mean, Be My Guest is a B2B travel technology company focusing on servicing the tours, activities and attraction space, predominantly in APAC. We were founded in 2012, so we're about to turn 10 years old. And you are right, nobody would have heard about us in the US. And actually, we like to keep it that way. In APAC as well, we're very happy to be behind the scene powering the supply for online travel agents, marketplaces, super apps. So we basically service brands like Traveloka in Indonesia, which you know is the number one OTA locally in that market. Others like my real trip in Korea, uh, AirAsia, which is the low-cost carrier, largest low-cost carrier in Southeast Asia based out of Malaysia. Recently, we signed a deal with Singapore Airlines. But in general, wow. because we're B2B and we're kind of doing all the, the, the back-end work. The dirty work. The mm-hmm. dirty work, all the pipelines. We're not a sexy company, so you, yeah, we're okay that you don't know about us. No, yeah. <laughs> Well said, like, like, you know, like a uh, really successful B2B company. I mean, so it sounds understanding the complexities of tours and attractions. So if I understand it correctly, you've taken probably a lot of the most popular tours and attractions and kind of made them bookable through APIs where before they were inaccessible to a lot of these these B2C companies. Yeah, correct. I mean, just to give you an example, only six, seven years ago, we were literally queuing at the Universal Studios queue, sorry, Universal Studios Singapore queue, the travel agent queue to pay, buy paper tickets. And I would do that and then I'll, you know, they'll print, they'll take them two, three hours to print thousands of tickets for us and I'll just wait until they deliver to me. And I would take the first serial number and the last serial number because they were printed in sequence and I'll text them or WhatsApp them to my tech team. They will load them into our system and then they will, we would be distributing them throughout China in minutes, right? So, wow. so really, yes, that, that was the beginning of it, like digitizing just the, the basic ticketed items, mostly attractions and theme parks, and then eventually trying to help the activity operators of like your cooking class or your more bespoke experience. And now we're focusing a little bit more on day tours, day tours because they have elements of the checkout process, like pickup location that you need to digitize. So okay. that's where we are now. But, but yeah, basically trying to get the suppliers get on online, which is an extremely difficult process. All of these operators are literally you know, they were running the business on pen and paper, especially the medium-sized, the smaller ones, and they still are. So. And you think that's a cultural thing, or is that just ingrained in them? Is that something that you see over time is going to change? I mean, this is not a new sector. It's a very old sector of the tourism industry. It's just coming online last. So it's usually referred to as the final frontier in travel distribution. And that's because uh, hotels were digitized first, flights as well, then local accommodation. And the ugly duckling has been experiences and things to do, which is really funny because when you travel, that's the first thing that you think about. 
but not the first thing that you book. It's actually the last thing that you book when you are preparing or planning your trip. So you first you book your usually your flight, then your hotel, and then you're in destination. You think about what you're going to do. Usually, just go down to the concierge, and then they tell you the ten things that they usually resell over and over. <laughs> but it's usually within the three day period, a three day kind of window. time frame. Yeah, window in destination. So it has been left in terms of the digitization wave but now it's been there's a lot of investment that has been going through i mean you hear a lot about new reservation systems new ota selling these products i think it started really what kind of like highlighted the sector was the acquisition of viator by TripAdvisor. so it's about seven years that you know digitization has been ongoing so it's very early and it's a very difficult sector to digitize because it's extremely fragmented I mean, when you sell a hotel, you sell a standard room, um, you know, maybe like a deluxe room, and then you have your suites. And when you sell an airline, you have an economy seat, premium economy, and then you have your business class. But they're, they're very standard, you know. When you sell attractions and experiences, you could be selling a Formula One ticket entry versus a diving course, or, you know, a day tour around the city with a Chinese tour guide. So. So digitizing that, it's, you know, the variety and the fragmentation, that's what, it's made, you know, it, it has made it so difficult. It is so complicated. It, it, it's incredibly complicated. And it's not just because they're digitizing that experience, but they've got to translate that experience into, in, into an experience. So you have a level of uh, service that you're trying to sell and get the consumer to adopt and then basically say, this is a good service and you guys are trying to do all of that process. But it's a similar process that you guys are going through with Exploria as well, because you've got the leisure markets. So we're taking the Asian market, we're saying it's complicated over there. And the assumption is we've managed to do that here in the US. But you're actually running into the very similar. Yes, I, I think I, I think Blanca was hoping that I that maybe the U.S. had made some strides where where maybe in her markets they haven't. And, I, and after listening to her, I feel like we're maybe even further behind. But a lot of the same experiences that Blanca, you know, down to regulations. You know, in the U.S., you've got you know, when boats go out. There are certain things that the U.S. Coast Guard you have to have. So you have to have a system that's built to be able to know exactly how many people are on that boat and you know their safety precautions have to be taken and and so what we find is the reservation management systems get really fragmented and and very specified for a certain type of attraction whitewater rafting or you know those type of things and then what happens is so then you build to their apis and you find out that you're not capturing a large swath of activities you're capturing a large swath maybe of activity types mm -hmm. so it, it has been really difficult and Blanca you don't have a reservation management system right so are you kind of you do have one yeah we do okay. we had to roll out one in 2018 I was about to say because there's really no other way I mean if somebody there's doesn't no have way. anything exactly you so can't build an API to paper exactly <laughs> we started with our own extranet and basically First, we tried, okay, let's get the operators to lower their products on their pricing. That totally failed. They're not, you know, they wouldn't do it unless you had significant volume of sales. And they, till, till, up until today, we don't actually, we actually close that extra net because the quality that comes through the operator, you know, they're not that digitally savvy. But we started with an extra net and then we took back, 
that the management of the content, the pricing, the product loading, the translation, because we're in Asia, so we actually translate product in about seven languages. Wow. So we started that way, and then in that way, you digitize product, you could sell it to the different online travel agents, marketplaces, super apps, that was great. But it came to a point where we ran out of inventory, because all of these online travel agents, they're used to instant confirmation, ticketing, electronic ticketing for their flight sales or for hotels, right? So when we ran out of options, we thought, you know, okay, we've been doing this for about six, seven years now. We turn around and where are the reservation systems at? Reservation systems, you know, there's there's big brands in US, Europe, Australia, but in the Southeast Asia region, especially, where I mean, we're based in Singapore, in that particular region, the adoption has been pretty much zero. Wow. So we saw that sort of like a, we were, we had come up with something right it's like how do we enable more of this supply online so we rolled out our booking system which launched with an e-commerce module to encourage the operator to give you the right data because if they're loading it for their own website sales then that means that it's more accurate so then you can resell it and then we empower them with also a point of sale system that they can use for their own direct sales over the counter and this year we're launching a corporate module so that they can also leverage the system to manage their own corporate Sales with agents or maybe banks or whichever corporation that they're reselling to. So yeah, we, we do have a booking system. It's the only way. Yeah, and that alone is tough because now you're building a booking system for all of these different attractions across all these different segments and they all need it to do something a little bit different. At seven yes. languages, huh? Right, it's seven yeah. languages, just because just, just, it wasn't originally hard enough right. as, it, as it was. Yeah, but I think in terms of types of, there, there is kind of, as you mentioned, different types of activities or things to do. And I think what you mentioned in terms of boats, that is so specific that we wouldn't really pretend that our booking system is able to cater for that particular type of operator. Yeah. Our system is good for the medium-sized attraction specifically yeah. uh, or the medium-sized activity operator not so much for day tours and not so much for cruises or or, 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 or water-based activities actually we have some water-based activities but the simple ones like paddle boarding or kayaking but but you're right I mean there, there's the variety of things to do you could probably I mean when we look at all of our categories we have probably 50 right in which you can actually slice and dice them and the variables of each are so different yeah, so, yeah. I, hats off to you and the team I, I just i have a special appreciation for how difficult the problem is that you're trying to solve and i think you guys have gone a lot further than you know really anyone i know in this space i mean there are groups dedicated to just the reservation management system but to you know you guys it almost sounds like you kind of came at it the reverse, right? You came at it, we wanted to distribute, and then you realized, it's kind of like Explorey, you start realizing, well, how do we distribute something I can't I can't get? And and you mentioned the onboarding. We, we've looked at that, and it's hard. I mean, they're, they just self-onboarding of activities. The product that comes out has is, is just consistently been inconsistent, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. Well, and it goes across markets. So very right. similar to vacation rentals, right? It is. Yeah, it is. A, it a, needs a to be standardized. And, yeah. yeah, with inventory, classifying the inventory, loading it properly, marketing it properly, talking about it. Need to be able to see it in real time so you know that you can book it. But look, there's a lot of money to be made if if 
you know, groups like Blanca's, you know, it'd be my guess can be successful yeah. in doing this because look, tourism and attractions, I don't know, last number I saw from Arrival may have been like 2.2 billion or something. I mean, no. it's, is uh, it, attractions, tourism and activities is worth 150 billion 100, globally. 150 billion, maybe 40%, the 2.2 is in the US. 40% in Asia. And Asia wow. is leading ahead of Europe and US. So How about that? It's um, all yeah, of people. It's huge. Well, it's just massive. It's so, huge. anytime, I mean, we'll get there. It's it just I think it does. It trails, you know, the other major segments of travel right now. So, so tell us, Bobby, as we kind of wrap up. You know, obviously coming here to to the Focus Right Summit. What were some of your goals? What have you thought of the conference? Obviously, a, l- a little smaller than maybe in years past. As I think, you know, we just opened up for Europe. A lot of people, probably from Europe, didn't feel comfortable booking their tickets, not knowing if they were going to be able to get here. But what what were some of your goals, and what are going to be some of your takeaways as you get ready to leave? Yeah, well, I mean, for me. I've been locked in Singapore for the past two years. <laughs> so the, the first objective was just to get out. Yeah, sure. so I'm any like, invitation any whatsoever, invitation you're like, I'm out. I'm like, 24-hour right. flight, yes, I'm on it. <laughs> so that was first. And obviously seeing a lot of familiar faces because the online travel industry is so small. It is. Right? So once you spend, you know, five, six years in the industry, I've been there about 10. So you get to know, you know, a lot of people and it's just nice to see familiar faces and also to kind of see you know, post-pandemic, what has actually happened? Because there's been a lot of shifts in the in the in the industry, right? So it's it's been quite interesting. Um, some players have gone, some you know got stronger. It, it's amazing what happened to all the local accommodation providers and just like or vacation rentals. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's been a rocket it's ship. It's like a right? rocket ship, and yep. then all of us in the other verticals were like, oh my god, you know, especially airlines through some activities. Yeah. And in APAC, I mean, it's 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 been especially difficult because we're just reopening right? and it really started earlier it than started the u.s and all earlier. it's finishing later it started earlier yeah, so it's it's, i think tough. it's gone back and forth but, yeah. but what, I, what i what i you know what's really encouraging is to see how uh u.s in in, in, in this case is dealing with the pandemic you know it there is there is a world where you can live with it and i just hope that asian countries you know take take a look at what's going on outside of Asia because literally all borders are still closed. I mean, there are some travel lanes that are opening now with Singapore, which is super encouraging to big markets like Indonesia and Korea. Australia is reopening, but it's still limited. So, for example, to access Singapore, to fly into Singapore, they have a limit right now. I think it's they just increased it, but it used to be 3,000 people per day. Wow. So it's very low Small. numbers. Exactly. So... But we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So it's been the toughest two years, I think. This type of devastation, whoever survives it, you know, that's what we're happy about. Yeah. yeah. And what we do think is it's just going to, you know, the trend is just going to all of a sudden spike and jump immensely. There's a lot of traditional agents that went out of business. So any company without technology it's probably going to struggle a lot. And those that have technology and that have, you know, invested in the technology throughout this period, we're trying to, you know, monetize on that next year. So, yeah. yeah, but it's certainly Very what cool. we saw in the in the U.S., Brian, was once the restrictions really left, it, it just takes off. Yeah, uh, and it's not. It doesn't come back exactly as it was. I mean, we've you know, business traveler, you know, business travel, the urban markets. There are a number of areas that that it's going to be a longer 
If ever. If ever, right. But they're adapting, right? They so are. So they're finding new verticals to go into. We had a couple of guests that talked about that as well. They were very specific in a vertical, and they're having to look outside to be able to survive. But that also means that there's a transformation in the industry. Right. And, the, and yes, and, the, and I think they're all looking for opportunities. Mm -hmm. right? where, where are the gaps and where what what can we fill in? What are we well positioned to shift and, and, and go to? So, Blanca, thank you so much. I know it's the end of the show. It's been, it's always a long, like, two or three days with all the meetings and everything, and time is at a premium. But we really appreciate you stopping by and, and talking to us a little. Thank you for the invitation. A absolutely. It's been talk. a pleasure. Excellent. Thank, thank you, that's it for this week's episode of Guest X. Be sure to sign up for our email list at guestxpodcast.com. That's guest, the letter X, podcast.com. And follow us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episodes. We are Brian Hamali and Matthew Loney signing off and reminding you to always create a guest experience worth talking about. See you soon.